Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Uh, joining me today is Hamid Koja, the Chief Scientific Officer at Fibrobiologics. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Fibrobiologics. Hey, you got to love when you, when, you, when you get it right. Um, I'm really excited to have you here today. Let's dive right into it. If you could share, uh, if you could share a little bit about your background, we'd love to hear more about you. Certainly. Uh, I'm uh, trained uh, and educated as a molecular biologist. My career started uh, at a pharmaceutical company that was named Chiron that was purchased by Novartis. I worked in small molecules as uh, signal transduction. I then migrated to infectious diseases at Eli Lilly and then to the genomics and epigenomics world afterwards and a few startups. Uh, and then I ended up here at Fibrobiologics. So my, uh, my main focus in the past few years have been epigenetics research and genomics research. What was it about this company that really led you to say, I, I want to be here, I, I want to take on this role? I found some of the some of the goals of the company very innovative, and I, I like to think innovatively, and I like to look at new ways of thinking and uh, solving uh, problems. And some of the things that uh, Pete and I discussed, the CEO and I discussed before joining, uh, seemed incredibly interesting to me. Uh, some of the chronic diseases that are underrepresented and undertreated, uh, and uh, hoping that we could uh, come up with a treatment for these some of these chronic diseases. Uh, it, it was very interesting and intriguing to me. Now, I know roles differ from company to company, but we do have some listeners that will want to, you know, one day hopefully be where, where you're at today. Can you share the, the role of a, a chief scientific officer for those people that are hoping to one day, you know, maybe be in your position, what that looks like and, uh, Maybe if there's a defined pathway, I know they would love to hear that. Yeah, as uh, the chief scientific officer at uh, uh, Fibrobiologics, I lead all the scientific efforts uh, as well as uh, for research and development and manufacturing uh, of cells uh, at Fibrobiologics. So I lead a team of researchers and manufacturing scientists to, to develop innovative new ways of using fibroblasts and fibroblast-derived materials to treat some of the chronic diseases. Uh, we are a, a, a clinical uh, biopharmaceutical company. So that means uh, our research involves uh, a lot of in vivo research animal model studies. So we design a lot of animal model studies to look at fibroblasts and how they impact and how we could use them to treat uh, quite a few chronic diseases, which we'll get into in a little bit. Before we dive more into uh, fibroblasts, for instance, can you give us, uh, I guess, more of a, a broad overview of, um, you know, Fibrobiologics? Yeah, Fibrobiologics is, is a fairly new company. So we are a startup company. Uh, our goal is to use one of the most prevalent cells in the human body, fibroblasts, and some of the materials uh, that they are derived from fibroblasts for use in chronic diseases and treating chronic diseases. And these include degenerative disc disease, uh, diabetic foot ulcers, and wounds, uh, wound treatment, as well as multiple sclerosis. We're also getting into uh, human longevity, uh, as well as we have some cancer programs as well. So we have quite a few targets, uh, and we're hoping that uh, we could uh, have a product, hopefully, uh, in the market uh, within the next uh, two to three years. Now, 
what's uh can you can you explain for um you know we have parts of the audience that 100 percent will understand everything that you're saying and we'll have others that are looking to learn more about it and and dive more into for instance fibroblast can you explain yeah. fibroblast and then why uh let, let's even talk about why the general population should should care about them as well right i mean fibroblast is the most prevalent cells in the human body they're responsible for the synthesis of the extracellular matrix that basically maintains the structural framework of all the tissues uh, in an animal. Uh, they have a very few, very interesting characteristics that are very similar to stem cells. One, they can differentiate into other type of cells, like such as chondrocytes, uh, osteocytes, hepatocytes, uh, cardiomyocytes. They can differentiate in multiple type of cells, very similar to stem cells. But they also have the capability of uh, regulating the immune system by secreting a lot of cytokines, including IL-1, IL-8, MCP-1, quite a few uh, cytokines that uh, regulate the immune system. But they also uh, recruit stem cells. And also based on quite a few um, publications, they also maintain the niches for stem cells in, in, uh, in organs such as heart, lung, liver, kidney, skin, and intestine. So they're very prevalent. They're very easy to source and culture as compared to stem cells uh, and maintain. Now, why, in some cases, why are they not as well known as, as stem cells, though? Can you I think it's just into more detail? On yeah. That? It's, it's press, right? Uh, um, uh, stem cells did uh, receive uh, work on stem cells uh, have received the uh, Nobel Prize. And I think that uh, uh, increased the funding uh, into stem cell research and uh, knowledge. And there's quite a few clinical trials going on with stem cells. So there's a lot of chatter and uh, in, in the press about stem cells, uh, which is why uh, it's, it's so prevalent. But uh, uh, our goal is to uh, let people know that there are other cells that basically do the same thing as stem cells, yet they are more easier to source, easier to culture, cheaper to culture, cheaper to source, uh, and works just as well. Now, uh, you're developing uh, fi uh, fibroblast therapies for chronic diseases. You, you mentioned yeah. earlier uh, on the show uh, some of the diseases that you're focusing in on. Can you talk a, a little bit more of which diseases uh, diseases you're currently focusing on and why uh, they're a focus? Right. We just finished uh, our phase one, uh, zero one clinical trial on multiple sclerosis. The goal of the study was to see if uh, fibroblasts could be infused in, uh, um, in patients uh, uh, without any adverse effects noted. So we did not note uh, any adverse events. But we also we were monitoring some efficacious results and we noted that there were some positive outcomes with regards to certain aspects of the neurology uh, uh, of these patients. Uh, we found that they were able to walk faster. Some of the 25-foot walk, walk uh, tests that were done were significantly better. And we also noted that during the six-month uh, trial, uh, none of the patients had any MS episodes. So granted, these were a limited number of patients. It was only a safety trial. Uh, we're uh, at the moment uh, designing a phase two clinical trial uh, to look the deeper into the efficacy of fibroblasts for use in 
uh, in um, multiple sclerosis. Now, granted that fibroblasts don't cross the blood-brain barrier, so it's not fibroblasts directly impacting uh, multiple sclerosis uh, treatment, but uh, it's the immune regulation aspect, regulatory aspect of the fibroblasts that are having a positive impact. And uh, right now we're doing some more additional animal model studies to look at the exact um, mechanism of action of fibroblasts in terms of um, uh, <clears throat> in helping uh, multiple sclerosis. What is the, the role of fibroblasts when it comes to something like wound healing, for instance? Yeah, if you if you if you study the aspects of wound healing, you'll notice that fibroblasts are involved in every single step of the wound care. This includes the hemostasis, inflammation, the proliferation, and the remodeling steps. Fibroblasts are intricately involved in every aspect. In our animal models, uh, utilizing uh, diabetic uh, mice, uh, genetically modified mouse mice who develop uh, diabetes. Uh, have indicated about a 40% increase uh, in the rate of wound healing as compared to untreated mice. So this is uh, very uh, intriguing for us. We're carrying out additional uh, studies for mode of action, and we're hoping to have a, um, a uh, treatment in place well by 2025. I know you mentioned this a little earlier, and you just mentioned it right now, um, the, the topic of studies, right? Where is the company at regarding clinical studies today, like at, at each phase? Yeah, so for, for MS, uh, we're, we have uh, completed phase zero one. Uh, for, so we're designing our phase two clinical trials. For wound healing, we're in the preclinical animal model stage. And we're hoping to either go through the IVD process or the 510K approval, which would be uh, significantly faster, depending on how we decide to uh, develop the treatment. Uh, and for degenerative disc disease, we have done a phase one clinical trial that has completed, and we do have uh, the IND for a phase two clinical trial from the FDA. So we will be designing that as well, uh, hopefully fairly soon, and submitting uh uh, a, a design uh, to the FDA for phase two. What's next that you're really excited about in terms of the company that you can, that you're allowed to share? Uh, we'd, Absolutely. we'd love to hear that. No, I think wound care is, it's amazing for us. I think uh, we've, the results that we've seen has been really impressive. We're not only seeing improvement and, and, uh, treating, uh, wounds on diabetic animal models, but even wild type models. Wild type animal models with with uh, uh, wounds, uh, we've seen about a forty percent increase in wound healing as compared to untreated mice. So we see it's a possibility of not only utilizing these with uh, diabetic foot ulcers and venous ulcers, etc., but but we also see them being used in just regular wounds for, uh, prior to surgery uh, and so on, uh, and increasing the healing rate. Very interesting. So it'll, it'll be interesting to continue to hear more from you about what happens regard to not just wound healing, but some of your other focuses as well. Uh, well, I want to, once again, thank you so much for, for joining me on the podcast and, and sharing your, your wisdom with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Jared. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure.